This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, timid tangerines tumbling from the top flight. And D delays must be damaging. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie and Podcasting alongside me this week are back from East Halls, Graham Finnant. Hello, everyone. George Cran. Hello. And the man who's going to have most to say, but will be kind to him, Alan Temple. Hello, hello, hello. Suitably sort of dulcet tones there from you, Alan, because bad days at Tannadice. Oh, dire. And the way that... That's trying to ease you in there. <laughs> just oh, no. You're dire. Oh, no. Well, I, right. th- there's no point um, sugarcoating any aspect of it. Not only was, or not only is there impending relegation, um, uh, uh, the culmination of a woeful campaign, but the nature in which it got confirmed on Wednesday evening just sort of encapsulated everything that's been bad about Dundee United this season. Um, having been told by the manager for the previous three games, keep shooting ourselves in the foot, we keep giving teams a head start. They did exactly that. Yeah. Um, the first goal is mind-boggling by Loy Kaina, a player I've got a lot of time for and I think he'll have a fabulous career. Um, just crazy. Uh, gets lucky dribbling away from two players in his own box and then, I don't know, decides to beat another couple. Um, and that leads to the first goal. Obviously, that affects confidence. Second goal is woeful as well. So, but that's that's one game. Dundee United haven't been relegated on the basis of one game. They've been relegated on the basis of a season that's been littered with errors like the ones we saw uh, at Tannadice on Wednesday evening, and more alarming than the than the the goals conceded. Just Jim Goodwin said they were outfought after the game yeah, and yeah. that's absolutely unforgivable unforgivable that when that much is at stake when you've got 10,000 supporters at Tanadice, that the other team was willing to fight harder than you and see when the manager's saying that then the game's up the you know the whole squad needs a, a revamp needs a rebuild and we'll maybe get on to how challenging that could be um a little bit later mm-hmm. but it's um uh, you know, the game's a bogey when a, a team can't get up and can't fight hard for their premiership status. I mean, like you said, I, I watched most of the match later. I listened to it on the radio, then I watched most of it on the Gaelic channel. Don't get me started. But United just didn't offer anything. It, it was such such a nothing performance that it was... I, I was quite stunned but by, by, I mean, they're, they're just a lack of pace to their game, a lack of, a lack of anything. Yeah, it's Rory McLeod hit the post late on, but it was three 0 by that point. Um, yeah. In terms of shots on target, Dundee United had one shot on target. Um, but the bottom line is they've reached this stage of the season, fighting for their lives in theory, and part of the reason why they've got nothing going forward is because they've got nothing going forward. They've had to yeah. effectively strap up Stephen Fletcher and send him out there. At, Jim Goodman described it at 70% fitness. I would be surprised if it's as high as if it was as yeah. high as 70% fitness. My understanding, into well into Wednesday, 
is Stephen Fletcher wasn't playing in that football match. And it's a credit to, to Stephen that he clearly has been willing to put his hand up and say, Do you know what, just put me in for however long I'll, I'll last. And for him to last 90 minutes is a, a testament to him. He didn't have his best game. I don't think in the circumstances I would have expected him to have his best game, but he can at least hold his head high in terms of the, the effort he's put in to, to get out there. But there's, there's no other options. Dundee United, over the course of this season, sold more than 250 senior goals and allowing Tony Watt to leave in January and allowing mm-hmm. Nicky Clark to go to St Johnston. So you've at the end of they've done absolutely nothing to replace those goals. So we can't all be shocked when we get to this stage of the season and there are <laughs> there's a, a lack of attacking impetus. This campaign of recruitment from Dundee United has been a catastrophe. It's they've uh, They've not filled voids that have been completely obvious for, I mean, the, particularly, the defensive midfield void, and how many times have we mentioned it on this show, mm-hmm. has been obvious since Jean Dofuch's left, um, what's that now, 18 months ago? It's, uh, and it has never been filled. And Jim Goodwin alluded to the lack of dogs in his team when he spoke to the, the club media last night. And... You honestly, you felt like screaming because I remember asking Jack Ross that question and being told, oh, well, you know, it's not about specific sorts of players. It's about the way a team plays and we want players to be able to do a yeah. bit of everything. And it didn't ring true then and it doesn't ring true now. So they needed that. They needed a fast centre half. They didn't sort that until January. And they needed backup to the 36-year-old striker. And... They didn't sort that out. The squad is unbalanced. It has gaps positionally. It has a lack of balance in terms of characters, which, you know, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, this this isn't a bad dressing room. This isn't a dressing room of bad boys. It's a, if it, they're, they're nice lads. They're all very polite, nice, technical footballers. And therein lies your problem. They could do with a couple of, um, I'm trying not to swear. They could do with a couple of characters. They could do with a couple of tough yeah, who absolutely <laughs> tough despite, characters. Yeah, the, the PG yeah. version. They they need they need players that despise losing football matches. They yeah. need players who are furious when they get beat, that kick the door off the hinges and you know, kick you don't the might be handy. Uh, yeah. Well. You don't you don't want a dressing room full of them, but a couple might be nice. And I feel like this is a team that's been relegated because of squad building and from um, the recruitment. We've been saying team. it all season. It's about yeah. gaps, isn't it? There's a lot of players there you would keep, but like you say, there there are big bits missing, aren't there? Yeah. And as I say, you, you feel like screaming because this isn't, it's not even particularly incisive analysis. These things have been blatantly obvious for a period of time yeah. now. And the fact that they weren't addressed in January smacks of um, an arrogance and an, uh, an unwillingness to accept that the club were in a relegation battle. It's, I understand that. Um, United had a, had effectively, you know, spent their budget going into January, and that's understandable, fair enough. However, plenty of clubs spend their budget before January, and when they're in a relegation battle, guess what? 
you draw a new budget because yeah. it's a hell it's a hell of a lot more expensive to get relegated from the premiership than it is to spend yeah, 50, 60, yeah, to spend 50, 60 grand on getting a, a loan player or a or a free transfer or something like that. So it, you know, you still had people talking about finishing in the top six at supporters meetings and things, you know, and the, the whole vibe smacks of a total unwillingness to accept the plight that the club had got itself into. There was this feeling that we've got good players. To, it, it, what's that? It's that cliche that I genuinely believe this club for too long thought they were too good to go down. And they do have some lovely footballers and they have some talented guys in there, but they're not a team. They're not a team in a mm-hmm. million years. And that shows when they capitulate nine, seven, four, four. It's that that is what a team doesn't do. And there's a I was going to call it an, an irony. It's not an irony, it's perfectly appropriate that the reason why we're talking about Dundee United effectively being relegated rather than just needing the results to go their way is because of that goal difference. It's because of that goal difference yeah. when compared to Ross County. And that goal difference is so damaging because they've capitulated at times this season. They shipped four at Ross County. They shipped nine against Celtic. See if that team just had a little bit more gumption, a little bit more fighting spirit, and were a bit more of a team, maybe they would have shut down those games. Maybe those would have been two goal defeats and five goal defeats. And then all they would need... As yeah, a, as a more... Two down after 70 minutes, you expect it to go to three. You don't expect them to score. One hundred percent, yeah, and and particularly the early stage of the season, uh, you know, it's I've never known a team so open to to counter attacks. Poor Craig Sibold's been acted, he's been asked to play like Patrick Vieira, and it's you know he's a he's a very combative, hardworking player, but it's, it's not his game, and it, it never has been. And um, the 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 reasons why United have been relegated, and and there are obviously micro reasons in terms of uh, you know the individual errors and team selections along the way but in terms of the you know the, the macro reason why Dundee United have been relegated it's because of a dismal attempt at building a squad for this season mm-hmm. I mean Bear was it did it come out Jim Goodwin's done a very good job of uh, defending his players talking up his players but did his team selection last night sum up his thoughts maybe private thoughts on the squad when he been the experienced goalie for a kid and basically rolled Stephen Fletcher off a stretcher mm-hmm. uh, to get him on. Desperate state of affairs to get yourself in. And Alan, Alan touched on, you know, the lack of a, a striking help for Fletcher and defensive midfielder, but he never spoke about the goalkeeping situation, which the club are just as culpable for. You know, when Ericsson went at Christmas, they should have been out and, and got himself yeah. a, a job in pro. They could have done that. I would think well within a, a budget, even though you know it would have it would have cost him a few thousand pounds here and there. But to leave himself open to bringing Jack Newman in, a kid effectively for a game like yeah. that, you know, it was just ridiculous. And let's hope that he he's not affected by or any uh-huh. other young players who were on the park last night because that was it. That was a, a you know a toxic situation to find themselves in, and obviously having to walk off that pitch. You know, but I mean, to be fair, a lot of the fans had actually left by that point by full time. Um, and we've seen it. We've seen what yeah. it can do at United. I remember in Craig Booster's time, there was a few kids came on into the team in the final few games, and yeah, it's, it we're never seen again. Wasn't pleasant situation to find himself in. It just shows you the hand that, that Jim Goodwin was left with. Um, you know. They came from nowhere, Jim Goodwin. Those three wins, 
you know, they weren't playing brilliant football, yeah. Tom. They were getting a bit of rubber of the green, which they were mm -hmm. probably due. But they took it and they got themselves out of the mire at the bottom, and, but they only put themselves back into that pocket. And and now they've lost four games on the spin, and I don't know what the stats are. Somebody might be able to dig them up going forward, but has any team actually lost five games after the split in the bottom half? I don't know. Dundee went pretty I close there. I think Dundee... Did Dundee do uh, it? I, I'm, I'm, I'm Dundee. It might have been four in a draw. Yeah, yeah, well... But, you know, it was... Because I, I think they were in seven. It was desperate. <laughs> it's desperate, desperate times for Dundee United. And, and you know... As we all documented on here, I'm, I'm a Dundee fan, but you know I've, I've certainly mellowed over the years, and it's a bad, bad day for it's a bad day for the bad city. day for yeah. bad day for Dungeon United fans, bad day for the club. But you're right, it is a bad day for the city. I mean, you think I think things that are going on in this city, whether it's you know the VNA discovery, the universities, the big weekends on this, this weekend. Anything that can raise the profile of the city is a good thing. Having two clubs in the top mm. flight raises the profile of the city. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely no doubt about that. And yeah. thank God for Eilish McColgan. Otherwise, it's a, it's the city of sport and failure almost. And yeah. Dundee have been promoted, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> but, but it just feels that there's way. There's also the, the financial aspect because you're, you're missing out on... The big hearts, Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs coming to, coming to the city on a far more regular basis. Almost every second week they would be in the city. Two, week, two weeks ago, the pubs and shops yep. on the Clippy Road would be going Dundee promoted, United are yep. getting better. Absolutely. Every every Saturday during the football season's a good day. Revenue pouring in. And now they're like, Revenue oh, pouring nothing's, cha not, nothing's changed. Not to mention mm. four derby matches. Yeah. Which are big, big money spinners, big for uh, and four derby matches, half a million pounds each. So for, for the not each game, half a yeah, million pounds each absolutely. for the two clubs from so the two I, home games. You know what we're it's disaster. I mean, we've seen it. We saw it at Dens last season. What Queens Park coming to Dundee, Cove Rangers coming to Dundee, Hamilton Aggies coming to Dundee. Come on, it's a different world. Well, I heard Malky Mackay on the radio last night paying tribute to the Ross County fans. And fair yep. enough, it's his club. He's, he's talking them up, but he was saying, he was raving about, I think he, the, they thought they had 500 at Tannadice. Yeah. That's that's a huge away support for Ross County. Yeah. Dundee, Dundee were complaining at getting 1,100 tickets but that's, for their final league That's game. what people have to realise. And that's that's the, the bigger picture and, I'm looking at. And, and you know... Um, Andy Walker made a point on Sky. It's, it's a big city club who haven't been able to keep up with the likes of Livingston's, the St. Mirren's, the St. Johnston's, mm -hmm. clubs who shouldn't have the same, or certainly didn't have the same budget, but find themselves still in the Premier League this season. It's a problem that both Dundee clubs now have. They can't keep themselves in there. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be, the worrying aspect is there's obviously going to have to be Big cuts at time. There's absolutely no doubt about, about that. Unless the chairman stands up, the owner stands up and says, I'm going to pump in a lot more money. He's already pumped in a fair amount yeah. of money, Tom. I would be very surprised if he's willing to put in the same amount going forward. There are going to have to be cuts, and that might mean cuts, obviously, on the playing staff, but also behind the scenes at times, the people who work in the offices. You just don't know about these things, and this is what it all means. This is what relegation actually means, yeah. you know? So, it's a, yeah, it's a bad, bad day for the city all around. I do, I mean, I feel for the owner, Mark Ogren, and I saw you got, I certainly saw online him getting a wee bit of stick last night, but at the same time, it strikes me, is it, it, looking at both sides of Tannadice Street, should Americans only be allowed to buy a British sports club when they understand what the 
meaning of the word relegation is. Because it's not a big thing in American sport, relegation. And they seem, but, but, I mean, to go back specifically to I do that to the players as well. Do they yeah. really understand what relegation means? Uh-huh. Because it looked to me as though some of them didn't. No. With a performance no. to put on. But I, go, I mean, I go back, I go back to Ogden and, and on the way in and sitting having a breakfast this morning, I was thinking about it, because sadly I've seen plenty of relegations in my time in this city. The one that strikes me, one thing that strikes me about this one, and it's maybe worrying, there's a, there's a failure at every level. Ogren bought the club and said, I'm going to make a profit, good in, and bring regular European football. They're relegated. Tony Ashkar was his day-to-day chief. He's gone. They've had three managers this season, as Alan's touched on extensively there. They've not got the balance of their squad right. I mean, you can go boardroom, day-to-day management of the club, day-to-day management of the team, in the dressing room, I mean, it's the, every, everything's gone wrong this season. It's not just like one thing's gone wrong and they haven't been able to recover from it. I mean, basically, we've been optimistic in recent weeks. And I, I sort of ask, how, how stupid am I? Because how could they escape when there were so many problems in each department of the club, yeah. if you like? Yes, I mean, is it any surprise the finished bottom of just just what you've said, Tom? There's not, there's none, really, isn't, isn't there? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know where they go going forward. I mean, it's 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 they're going to have to have uh, take a deep breath, let the dust settle slightly, uh, and then sit down and and, and yeah. map out a plan to come mm. back. Kilmarnock have shown you can bounce back. Dundee have shown you can bounce back, but there's no guarantees in football, Tom. There's absolutely none. Dundee have got to go and do it, and it's a it's a tough gig, but they've just got to get their heads down and, and move on from this. But it's going to be really tough. And I go, I turn to my contract expert, yeah. George Cran, here as well. The, the INS will, and we'll talk later about Dundee. We're worried that Dundee don't have players in contract. The problem for United yeah. could be they've got too many players in big, good, lucrative contracts. And these guys might say, well, in an ideal world, I'd help you out by moving on. But I've got bills to pay. Somebody else has to pick up the contract, yeah. I can't get a contract like the one I've got here, so you're stuck with me. It could be a very, very costly season. Hopefully, our season, next season in the in the Championship for United. And, and that's been optimistic, because last time it took them four seasons to get out. Yeah, well, I can't imagine they're going to have the same sort of budget to get out this time as they did when Ogren first came in. They spent a lot of money to get that team out of the, the Premiership, and uh, the Championship, sorry, and... I don't see him seeing the point in doing it again because he's it's cost him so much money to get the club up and suddenly they've gone back down. But uh, yeah, in terms of the the players, you've got guys on big contracts, decent money, very decent money, um, but they've absolutely not performed this season. So why would the competition decide to give them that yeah, same money, same money. If, if they haven't? I, get, I think Stephen Fletcher might be okay because he, oh. he's, he's done all right um, in a team that, as Alan has said, hasn't functioned. Um, Stephen Fletcher probably deserves, and, and a couple of others deserve bonuses for managing to get it to the last day of the season, mathematically. Are you going to give them those bonuses? <laughs> no, that's... Uh, um, but in I'll t- always spend a millionaire's yeah. money, but never my own. But, but no, the budget the budget for next season is going to be yeah far, far smaller. In terms of last night, I, I, I just saw a team 
absolutely lacking in confidence. Obviously, that comes with the runs they've been on. But as soon as they lost the goal, the manner and the way that they were, the way they lost the goal was a team without confidence, and they just didn't have any confidence that they could get that back. And I think that comes from the the whole myriad of reasons you give Tamit and Allen's gave throughout the season. That there's been so much wrong that I think the players just accepted their fate. Last night, I have to say, um, and and just going back to Alan's point on Dundee United not expecting to be in this position, you listen to Derek McInnes's post-match uh, comments, and he's gone on about finishing tenth as a successful season for Kilmarnock, yeah. very successful because they were expecting to be in this position. Ross County were expecting to be in this position, fighting for their lives, and United it seems to have taken them by surprise. But I don't think it's taken the fans by surprise or. or Anyone else watching? Might have taken the owner by surprise. I mean, Alan, you're you're the man with your finger on the pulse, at, uh, or our man with his finger on the pulse at Tannerice. What what is your feeling about the kind of commitment Mark Ogren will continue to give? I think if Mark Ogren could get out, he would get out. To be perfectly honest, I think. However, I don't think he is at this stage or prior to relegation. Certainly. I wasn't hearing that he was at the stage where he'd be willing to accept a pittance. I don't think he was at the stage where he was willing to say, do you know what, I'm just going to write this off and walk away. He was um, keen to get what he would describe as as market value. Um, What that would be now for a club that owes, well, according to the accounts of of 2022, owes £13.1 million to creditors, albeit... He is said creditors yeah. uh, for the most part, um, and now in the championship and weighed down by some hefty contracts and an impending uh, complete collapse of revenue streams. What the price of Dundee United would be now is a is a fascinating question, and he's got he's got a really tough decision to make. He is he's between a rock and a hard place because anybody that would be countenancing buying Dundee United at the moment isn't going to be thinking about spending big money on it. So he's mm. going to have, probably have to say, I'm going to have to take a bath on this and walk away. I've enjoyed my adventure, but do you know what? It was a money pit. Or he's going to have to fund them trying to get out of the championship. And either way, and that is such a big risk because who's to say mm-hmm. three years down the line, that creditor column doesn't say 20 million and he's lost even more you know it's a it's a really unenviable position that, that Mark Ogren's in and the contracts speak to a club that didn't give a single second's consideration to relegation as well the lengths yeah. of them you know Tory Watt 25 Middleton 2025 Doom Levitt Mulgrew Behich Ericsson Birigiti 24 none of these guys are out so I just, um, it's a, a huge concern. And, you know, those big attendances you're talking about, when you add them all up, you're talking about losing millions purely on attendance mm-hmm. revenue before you get into any sort of sponsorship, TV, all that sort of thing. This is a, a, a minor financial catastrophe for Dundee United. And, and while... I do appreciate, and you said it a few times over the course of the season, Tam. You know, you that you maybe feel a wee bit sorry for Mark Ogren, and and you know you can't argue with the amount of money he's put in. 
of course, true, but I feel like we're in danger of patronising him when we do that sometimes. Fundamentally, he is a businessman. This is his business, and the decisions that are made, and the, the decisions that are made directly below him are on him. The you know he yeah, is the one aye. he is the one that signed off on Tony Ashgar, Jack Ross, and the executive team building this squad, which in my view is a squad where they tried to walk before they could run, and they completely threw the baby out with the bathwater in chase of you know what, what, what they thought they might get European group stage football or or um, you know a top four finish, and that foolhardiness has resulted in relegation and. Blame has to go right up the chain, and Tony Ash—it's effectively cost Tony Ascar his job. It's cost Jack Cross his job. It's cost Liam Fox's yeah. job. It has seen for the financial chief Derek Bond leave the club. There is, you know, although it's completely opaque in terms of whether that would be a direct consequence of of, of United's fortunes this season, but nevertheless, he has also gone. So there is accountability right up the chain, right up and down the chain, and that has to go right up to Mark Ogren because um, this season has been a, a disaster and it's, it's patronising to him to paint him as this genial figure who's, you know, siding checks and a bit disassociated with things because, see, if that is the case, that he's running his business badly. So Yeah, aye. For, for clarification, Alan, because what you say is right, just for everyone here and bears known me longest, all I've discovered is a bit of humanity. 20 years ago, <laughs> I'd have been for burning them all at the stake. <laughs> now I've got sympathy for them, but the, you, you're right, they have failed. The players have failed. The managers have failed. The, the people that were running the club day to day have failed and the owner has failed. I mean, one of the things I was I was thinking about saying is it, it, it's what amazes me about Mark Ogden. And again, I, 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 as, as I say, as I got older, I can still have sympathy, but it strikes me that he bought a football club and then thought, what am I going to do with it? Because... He appointed Tony Ashgard, and nothing against Tony Ashgard, but I would never dream of meeting someone for the first time and the task was to help me find the thing I wanted to buy. And then that's the person I turn around to and say, oh, do you want to run it for me? To me, that if you're going to buy a football club, before you've bought a football club, you have in your mind who's, if it's not going to be you that runs it day to day, Someone's going to run it day to day. You should be, what I'm saying is you should have a plan about once the purchase is complete, this is what how the operation will work. And it that didn't seem to be the case. And I think they've maybe paid the price for that in the sense that bits have been added on here and there as they've gone along. So uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. I don't, I don't defend them from failure. I'm just not as bitter as I used to be. <laughs> Speak, Alan. I know it's tough, but you can do it. <laughs> no, I think the next big question we're going to have is obviously the position of the manager. I thought it was interesting yeah, I was that, ask you. Uh, uh, that you know after the game when he could quite easily have straight batted the question um, about his future, that would be easily mm -hmm. done because he hadn't properly sat down with Mark Ogren and he still has a game to manage on Sunday. Um, but he didn't. He basically said you know, he wants to be the guy that sorts out Dundee United I think was the word they used and yeah. there's plenty of sorting out to be done but I I would say that Jim's not due to be absolved 
from this. He was the manager of a football club that was on a decent run going into the split and then completely capitulated after the split. And he tried a lot of things and fundamentally none of them worked. And he, you know, as a coach, I'm sure we'll take a degree of the blame for that. But then again, when you look at some of the mistakes the players made, you do think to yourself, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I'm not sure how you coach a player. <laughs> I know. You know, not to do I something incredibly stupid. After Saturday's game, I thought it came through that you'd had enough. Yeah. The basic so, errors. And I think, um, you know, fans will have their own opinions and it's not up to me to tell you know them who the right appointment would be. If it were me, I would give Jim Goodwin the job. I think he has brought an air of positivity about the place that wasn't there. I think he's a good motivator during that winning run and even a couple of draws, which they could have won. Um, I thought you saw a team that had a little bit of verve, had a little bit of fight. Um, That fell off a cliff. So that obviously puts a question mark there. But I look at the situation he came into, four points adrift, Morale absolutely through the floor. Um, I look at, you know, the the mood he managed to bring about the place, even if it was rather temporarily, and I also look at the lack of viable options I see out there at the moment. I, I, yeah, I, that's a I'm not thing. sure. I, I'm not sure who they get better than Jim Goodwin to manage a Dundee United team in the Championship with a staggering amount of admin and rebuilding to be done um he's in the yeah, building. Must have, that, what gets me I mean, and I, I remember he he was by no means the greatest ever done the united manager but i remember when alex smith came in and the team still struggled but he came in at united he was a real manager he was a real football manager he got the club back operating like a football club should and it, it, it has crossed my mind with that that jim jim goodwin Good or bad results, he's a real manager. He, mm-hmm. he they're running, they're operating like a football team. They're operating like a squad and like a club. And maybe Bear, at a time when, basically, as what Alan and I have alluded to, when there are faults at every level mm-hmm. of the club, they should maybe grab the real manager while while they can. Well, there's a couple of sides to that, Tom. One is. As Jim Goodwin, I mean, I take it, his contract ends now, Alan. It was just a short-term deal to the end of the season, as far as we're aware. Um, as the After contract Sunday, is effectively. Yeah. yeah, so obviously they'll have to offer him a new contract. What will that contract be? Will Jim Goodwin say, well, if you want me, I'm sorry, you're going to have to mm-hmm. pay a wee bit more. He might still think his stock is, is, is reasonable enough to get another appointment. I think it was a massive gamble for Jim Goodwin. Dundee, have you heard <laughs> Well, I think he could be in the front. <laughs> <laughs> that no, won't happen. No, no. Um, well, he was close I, before. Yeah, I did, That's why it won't happen yeah. I did, again. I said at the time I thought it was a massive gamble for Jim Goodwin coming back so soon, taking over at Dundee United uh, when they were in such a precarious position. He obviously backed himself you know, that he could do the job, but unfortunately it has backfired. So he's got the unenviable... He's maybe the smallest loser of everyone yeah, at Tannadice. He's yeah. certainly not a winner, but... He's got the unenviable record now, you know, having been sacked at Aberdeen this season and taking Dundee United in, into the championship. It doesn't matter how you sort of, as Alan says, sugarcoat it. That's exactly what's happened. Now, like we say, I think had Jim Goodwin taken a back seat at this point in time, he would have been number one candidate for quite a few jobs, I've got Probably to say. Probably the United job. Yes, um, and he might have been given a bit uh, more time to actually build a team there. But it'll be interesting to see where Dungeon United go. 
Um, Jim Goodwin obviously comes as a, a double act with, with his assistant who Lee Sharp Lee Sharp who's, who's followed him so fine former Dundee left back yeah I'll be interested to see it as a case of what sort of contract could United yeah. put under his nose that will attract him to take has the, been interested to take him from down job. south um, and as I say that's I mean you know as I say that's that's something that they're going to have to get their heads around but I said take a deep breath and, but they're going to have to do things quickly now and figure out how do they make that? What is their plan of attack for next season? I mean, they, they do get the parachute payment, but that will be cobbled up mm-hmm. very, very quickly with the amount of guys they've actually mm-hmm. still got in contract. Players are going to leave Tardis. Mark Ogren's playing players are going, <laughs> Players are going to leave Tardis. Mark my words, the squad you see yeah. next season will bear absolutely no resemblance. Ah, because players will want to. Yes, leave. absolutely. So things, things will change. They'll have one or two very useful young players. What they want to make sure of is that these players aren't aren't sort of tempted away by other things as well. I take it they will be on contract anyway. Um, but they need to get their head around that one. Whether it's Jim Goodwin, who I think, Alan, I think you're right. Is there a better, a more experienced manager out there to to, to get them back up? I mean, if you guys can think yeah. of one, I mean, I can't think of one off, me, off the top of my head. Like Alan says, there's blame there. Go- yeah. And Jim Goodwin said that. He yeah. takes his responsibility. But I would say right now, he represents their best chance of promotion next season. Yeah, I, I think so, but there's there's a lot of things to be sorted out before we get to, to that point. Um, so, but yeah. you, do you know, no, a strange thought, just talking about promotion next season, United will be red-hot favourites, and, and then George, someone who knows the championship, well, there'll actually be a few championship clubs very disappointed. And what you yeah. wonder, oh, yeah. will, it af- will it affect their spending mm. because... They don't. A lot of championship clubs well, won't expect would, to finish would, above United. I still next suggest. Season. I mean, we've spoken about budgets, and they're going to have to cut their cloth massively, yeah. massively. But I would think Dundee United will still, yeah, will right. still have the biggest budget in that league. Well, that, that brings its own Queen's questions. Park, maybe, but yeah, but yeah, but possibly, uh, <laughs> we'll still have the biggest budget. So uh-huh. that gives them a fighting chance to go out and put a team on the park. But yeah, and I know it wouldn't be the first time that basically. When a, one of the bigger names from the Premier League gets relegated, chairman chairman at clubs in the Championship say, "Well, I'm not spending as much no. because I, I I don't think if, even if yeah. I spend to my limit this season, I can't compete with them." The, the, the big fear I think for Dundee United is if Ross County or whoever yeah. it is Kilmarnock should fail in the playoff, yeah. and they also find themselves. Back in the in the championship because they would have a comparable budget, you would think. Yeah. With whatever Dungeon United they're wanting. Especially Ross, Ross County have yeah. got the yes, definitely. The Roy McGregor that, that could make life very difficult, but obviously that's that's something that's going to be decided in the coming weeks. Well, boys, it's almost time to go, but I think last word has to, in this sad week, except obviously when United win eight 0 at Motherwell on Saturday, <laughs> stranger things haven't happened. Um, <laughs> I mean, Alan, it's a nightmare for you, isn't it? Is it? I mean, I, I can remember. Um, I'm a, I'm in the privileged position now of when one of the teams gets relegated, I say, well, so what? I mean, I'm disappointed, but it's not the end of the world. But as, when you're going to the games home and away every week and covering it, it's a blow, isn't it? Well, I'm, I'm slightly reluctant to... Um, paint nah, myself as the I, victim I, I, and I don't, I don't feel sorry for you but you, what I'm saying is you get pissed off as a reporter when you're not oh, going to the Premier League no I, I, do you know what I, I see I'm not the best person to ask this because um, I, I used to cover 
Dunfermline and Race Rovers, and I actually I'm very very fond of the places, so I actually am quite looking forward to it. But what I would say is, I do certainly appreciate the what supporters are going to lose because. Uh, Dundee United's away following, in particular, has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. This uh, for the you know entirety of, of my time, for, you know, working for this paper, and um, you know, I, I think and they're the ones to, I feel sorry for. Uh, I must yeah, admit, I, even as a yeah. Dundee fan, I feel I feel heart sorry for the United fans because at every level of the club, they've been let down. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think back to when they sealed you. You know, when they sealed. Uh, fourth place up at Ross County and and the scenes there and you know think back to home at Alkmaar and the, the amount of fans that went over to to Amsterdam and Alkmaar and even you know there's been so many big crowds this season and when those big crowds and big games have taken place uh, especially towards the tail end of the season they've just been such massive letdowns the Ross County game you know stands out just at Tannadice just there when they reduced tickets to Fiverr and packed the place out and as you say you're using the right expression the fans were, were completely let down so it's a shame that those sort of away days and those sort of occasions are going to be yeah. more rare for the supporters because um, they will feel like they will feel like they did their time. You know, they were in the mm-hmm. championship for three long years and will feel like they did their time down there. And they didn't ask for this football club to have eyes bigger than their belly when it came to recruitment and amount of money they were spending and, you know, aiming too high and forgetting that you do need to defend sometimes. It's, they didn't ask for that. They would have been happy with another season of relative consolidation and maybe challenging for the top six. But... That's not what happened, and the, you know they're the ones that are um, uh, kind of who we should be feeling sorry for about sending uh, going back to the championship. I will survive. Well, <laughs> okay, Gloria, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're out of time. But Alan Temple, it's not me. You should feel sorry for it. The, the medals in the post. <laughs> <laughs> right, George. Moving on to Dundee. The cheery stuff. We are great, great times. Promo. <laughs> United are going down. Dundee are going... Well, they're sort of going up, but is there any direction there, George? Is there any direction? <laughs> not at the moment. Not without a manager. It's still dragging on. It's been over two weeks now since Gary Boyer uh, left. But I actually do think that they listen to this podcast in spite of us. He said two weeks ago, this has to be done quickly this time. None of, none of the previous messing around. They said it has to be yes. done quickly. Um, mainly because I think they thought Callum Davidson was going to be the man to take over. And obviously he had other thoughts. And they've had to go back to the drawing board. I honestly thought, even though it is Dundee and they like to drag these things out, that they would have got it sorted by now. But as of Thursday morning, as we're recording, there's... Nothing imminent Nada. is what I'm told this morning. So I was, I thought it must be done today, surely. Bear, did you not believe you would go off on your saga holiday and come back? <laughs> I didn't know he was going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I know, when you get to our agent. <laughs> You're never sure. You're, that's we never booked the return ticket uh, yeah, until the day before. That's why insurance gets so expensive when you get older. Um, that doesn't surprise you with Dundee, I've got to say. Um, you would have liked to have thought that they would have had something in place by now. I, I don't think, I mean, I think it's urgent, but they, they do have a bit of time there 
to spare. I mean, obviously, I think that what they've got to... It's the players, though. That's, the, that's what was going to come on. All these guys that are out of contract, mm. you wonder, you know, where, where do they stand? And I'm very surprised if these players have not been spoken to whatsoever that obviously Ian Lawler has signed for Doncaster, but none of the other ones have signed for anybody. So I've got a sneaking suspicion that there's been contact in some shape or form yeah, I think, by the club. Yeah, I think from from what I understand happened when Gary Boyer's mm -hmm. announcement, uh, departure was announced to the to the squad, um, it was made clear that if the contracts wouldn't be on offer until a new manager was in place, which is obviously the way things have been. Uh, but players who wanted to stay could make that clear to the contract and not John Elms. So I'm sure some of them have. <laughs> what what if the club didn't want them to stay? I know that's channel. the thing. Well, that, that's what's still to be decided. I mean, if when the and also, if if a new manager ever arrives, then the, they'll decide. If, I mean, genuinely, this isn't a criticism of Dundee. This is just an acknowledgement of how football works. Dundee might turn around and and, and say. Four, five, six guys that we would all think, yeah, they'll be there next season. Mm -hmm. Okay, once the new manager's in, we'll get your new two-year contract signed. Yeah. New manager comes in and says, I don't "No, I'm not him. having him. Yeah. Not having him. I've got somebody else lined up." Then they're duty bound to follow their yeah. new manager's wishes. So, and and players know that. That's the just the way football works. Yeah. It's, it's probably wrong, but I'm I'm not getting into right or wrong. It's just the way football can work. It, so if you haven't signed anything as a player, you're surely listening to anyone else who wants to speak yeah. to you. And, yeah. and from the player's point of view, they, they do want to sign a two-year contract and then find out a week later that the new manager doesn't fancy them, they're never going to play. Yeah. I think it, do yeah. that, so. it also makes it awkward for the new manager. It gives him an out, does it not, if he comes in and Dundee <laughs> have signed 10 players and he can suddenly go when things yeah. not my go, squad. go a bit pear-shaped, yeah. as they often him. do... For Dundee, he could turn and say, "Well, it wasn't me who actually signed these players, you know." So it'd be good. It'd be good to first and foremost let's get a new manager in, so it's him that seems to be appears to be at least making the decision on contracts. Oh yeah, that's what, that's the way it'll, it will work. But as you say, the pressure will be on fairly quick because mm -hmm. th there'll be no excuses of this isn't my team. I've inherited this because yeah. every decision made for every player signing, whether it's a new player coming in signed or a contract signed that the decision's been made by the new gaffer. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, that's another reason why why does there have to be this delay? So if anything, it's too much of a blank canvas. But one of the one of the appealing things about a club that's just been promoted is the ma the manager has got a chance to go. Mm -hmm. If he's a manager who's confident in his own connections, he's reasonably experienced. He, it's a, almost a dream way to start a job because yeah. you can build your own team from day one. Yeah. Well, that's surely what's so appealing about about the job. Yeah. I mean, but we're hearing hearing a lot of things. You know, that oh, nobody's going to touch this job at Barstool. Surely but not. Surely, it, surely it is an appealing job because of that fact. Just as you've said, Tom. You know, there's so many players out of contract, and the vast majority of them out of contract. You can go in and bring your own mm. men in. You will have to be able to put your own stamp on that team instantly. Now, that might be a tough job, but at least, it, 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 it's, it's, as you say, it's a blank canvas to go and get your own men. Managers lose their job because yeah. it's taking them two or three, four transfer windows to get the the, exactly. the squad the way yeah. they want. Here's yeah. a chance to say, OK, there is pressure. It does come with pressure because you've got no players, but it's a great chance for you to yeah. go and get yeah. 
And how often have you seen a manager coming in but he, and you'll speak to the press off the record going, look, I'm, I'm lumbered with a few players here yeah. because they're on two-year deals. I've got to keep them, you know, for at least another season. They're not budging and it makes life really difficult for them. Yeah, so... Yeah, hopefully Dundee can get things sorted out in the, in the very near future, George. Yeah, uh, today or tomorrow. Come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, George, we're... No, I was, talking about, it, I was talking about this afternoon. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was talking about having well. to come back for... Come back after lunch and re-record, redo, I re-record the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's great news. It's in your mind. I mean, we should say there are, there are at least now names yeah. uh, being mentioned and, and it's, it's obviously it's been confirmed that uh, Wraith Rovers boss Ian Murray has been given permission by his club yeah. to speak to Dundee. Um, funny one, because I'm not saying Ian Murray would be my choice, but I suppose you have to be true to your principles. I've always been an advocate for managers learning their trade mm-hmm. and building their building their way up. And to an extent, Ian Murray's he fits that profile of a guy that's now amassed a few jobs, mm-hmm. had one disaster at St Mirren, but generally done okay. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I wouldn't say he may necessarily set the heather on fire at Wraith Rovers. But this, this time last year, Wraith Rovers were getting worldwide bad headlines. <laughs> so at least he, he steadied the ship. He was never in relegation trouble and mm-hmm. there is a limited budget there. Yeah, and as you say, he's done a few jobs and he's done decent jobs. He was pretty unlucky with Airdrie not to get them up, I think, playoff final two years in a row. Um did very well at Dumbarton, mm-hmm. certainly for a time. Yeah. Maybe it's, got thrown in at St Mirren too quickly. I thought his race team last season played some pretty yeah. good stuff. They t- t- seemed to fall short in actually picking up the results that deserved. But um, I think he always conducts himself well yeah. as well. You know, I mean, he always speaks well. And I think he's, he's a young manager. But he's not a novice manager. He's no. Been, he's been, yeah. you know, he, he became a manager at a very early age. He must have been a boss for over ten years now in various at various clubs. Um, so he's certainly not a novice. Mm-hmm. You, you look at his playing career. You know, he had a terrific play, playing career at Hibs Rangers. He had he had has a few Scotland caps. So yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. It's he, an interesting one for me. He showed that he had something about him at Dens in that SPFL Trust Trophy. Semi-final oh, one. Just call it the Challenge yeah. Cup. The Challenge Cup. Dundee absolutely battered right. He got it wrong to begin with, obviously, but they made subs in the first half, which is never the easy th- thing to do for a manager because the player you're taking off is, is going to kill <laughs> kill their confidence. We did that and they were two 0 down, and they kind of got away with the first half and and ended up coming back and, and drawn to each and knocking Dundee out on penalties, which was probably an undeserved. Yeah. win for them but he showed he changed his team he, he made, made this up in the first half changed his, his team set up and, and made his team better I always think him. that's one of the unheralded skills of management there's some of the managers at the very very top level of the Just game don't change it but the, the one that always I always thought was guilty of it was Sven Jorn Eriksson yeah. which cost him when he became yeah. an international manager he had a plan for that game yeah. and if that plan didn't work he just sat yeah. down and shrugged his shoulders and said, yeah. "There's all, well, always next week." I think week. they weren't willing to admit they made a mistake in the in the initial lineup. Yeah, they felt that this will this will work out in the end. But by the time they tried to change things, mm. it was too late. You know, it had gone. But sometimes it takes a brave man to put uh-huh. his hand up before half time and you know, you know what? <laughs> I've made I've made a made a mess of this. I'm going to change it. You know, and that doesn't go down too well with some players who are getting taken off. But as it worked, it worked for Wraith. 
Certainly, just that, about. Mate, you know, they got I, a bit lucky, but the, I think the changes Reith, Reith improved. Have had a pretty unflattering season. I, I've yeah. liked some of the football they've played, which mm-hmm. is encouraging if, if Ian Murray does come to Dens. Um, but on the back of what happened last summer, I think yeah. that that's not a bad place for Wraith Rovers to be. Now, if Ian Murray comes to Dens, and obviously he keeps Dundee in a similar position in, in the in the Premiership, with yeah. no danger of relegation, but not really doing too much else, Dundee fans will bite their bite their yeah. handle for that, wouldn't they? I it's maybe an, I was guilty of it maybe a bit there when I first heard his name mentioned. It's easy for clubs to have a bad summer or a bad end to season like mm. Wraith did, and then collapse in the next season. So I mean, I, I, we possibly shouldn't sort of underplay the kind of job he's done this week, just steadying the ship. But mm-hmm. obviously, if he comes to Dundee, you. Want a wee bit more than that because they need to stay up for a change, George. And is he is, is he the favourite or is he the name that came out? He's the name that came out. Yeah. I would say. Um, I, I saw he was the bookies' favourite, obviously, because that's kind of what's kicked it all off. Bookies stopped taking bets because they they had a run of bets on him being uh, the new man. Um, yeah. Because I think news had come out from from the Wraith end that. He was going to speak to Dundee. Someone did once tell me three bets on a Tuesday morning on a on a club the size of Dundee that makes you favourite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't need to be a huge. No. we tend to think millions must be going on. Did no, we no. not just put bets on just to get a back page headline <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the newspapers, Tom? Just to <laughs> get, kick, kick things <laughs> off. I'm allowed to say that now. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. Yeah, I think that's all it takes in these these kind of markets. I have to say, it doesn't doesn't take huge amount of money. Yeah. Who um, else, George? Who else? We're trying to find that out. That's, oh, that's Kevin Thompson got a mention. No, because uh, I don't think the way things ended with him at Dens when he left, I don't think that left a good impression. Nothing that's maybe counting against him. Oh, yeah. He gets mentioned for every single job going, but he doesn't seem to. He did okay. Get... Was it Kelly? Was it Kelly, Kelly did well, did yeah. Okay. But, mm. yeah. Um, the Tam Court's name's obviously been in there. Because uh, I, th- I think Dundee were looking at him as a possibility, but he's he's very quickly distanced himself from that. Um, I think keen to keep any relationships he has with with United fans. Uh, yeah, going after and yeah, he was he was very quick to have to start well. Those, yeah. those rumours had been going around from last yeah. week, and we'd got in contact with him, and he, he said there'd been no contact, and it, and it wasn't for him, and and then. It emerged that Dundee maybe were interested, but he's he's not having it. Fair enough. If, if he doesn't want to be, I don't understand that. Why? Yeah. I mean, have you ever? Why would you rule yourself out of another another job? I, I just don't. I mean, understand yeah. understand the reasoning behind it. But I don't understand it. Why would you? Maybe he's got something else. He's well, uh, well, fair play. He's after. Yes. Has, Gary Bo- has Gary Boyer got something else? I mean, what happened there? I mean, no, no. So no, there the rumours. Well, obviously. The, the, the bookies thing with the Blackpool <laughs> again. The, the uh, speculation was there. I think somebody yeah. put money on him because yeah. he just won the league with Dundee, yeah. and suddenly his, his, his stock was high, and they thought that would be enough for a long time. Says, as a manager, he could be a long time out of the game. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think he'll he'll to have turn, to turn opportunities down. No, I, I don't think Gary Boyer will have uh, too long to wait no. until he, he may have to wait until second season starts yeah, down yeah. south. But I'll, I'll not take long. No, August, um, September. His CV looks pretty good. I think after yeah. a year in Dundee, won, won the league, course. won manager of the year, and then harshly. Harshly done by well, like you say, but it's a, it's a funny one with quotes. I mean, I could understand if in the end he, he says, No, it's not for me, but speak to them, 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I never see the point in not speaking to somebody. Mm. I mean, if it was me, if, I, if you go, maybe the most recent example at a sort of high level, if I was Tam Courts, I'd have Rafa Benitez at Everton on my mind. <laughs> that yeah. your worry is you would have to sit down and say to Dundee, look, if, if I start slowly, am I going to get time? Because if I start slowly, I'm going to get stick. Yeah. As soon as as soon as things started to go wrong for Benitez, the Everton fans just weren't having them. No. Uh, he had to get a flyer to win the fans. So you need to speak to people and gauge yeah. what you think, how that, they would yeah. react. That but, might have been the case. To with, not speak at all is a wee bit strange. That might have been the case with Callum Davidson as well. I, I yeah. don't know whether he, yeah. he gauged the kind of lukewarm reaction from the but he fans. But At least he yeah. can come away saying, well, yeah. I think... Uh, uh, I based it on all the facts I could sort of yeah. unearth. But again, you could look at the entire Premiership last season. Many managers actually kept their jobs yeah, through yeah. the season. I mean, so many changes. Between half the club is jettisoned their manager. So yeah. there's nobody getting any any real time. I would say Dundee, are, as a club, once they've appointed a manager, the we'll them. give him a chance. Yes, we'll give him a chance. Gary Boyer might dispute no, exactly, that. No, exactly, exactly. He would, he would jump back. That's almost the case. He was, he was successful those jobs. I don't think you've got history of sacking promotion winning managers. That's when he, that's when he was in a sweat. Yeah. But I mean, it's almost the case now. The managers should speak to anyone about potential job because the only thing they know is that there's a better than even chance they're going to get sacked quite quickly. So I think about the English Premiership. Only two oh, managers in the bottom yeah. half survived the season. And it's, that's assuming they don't get a sack between now and Sunday. But it's it's just... But that, that might change now, because obviously Forrest didn't sack Steve Cooper and he kept them up. And who's the well, other I don't understand. David Moyes, he kept uh, them up. They stuck with him when they could have sacked him. I would always stick with David Moyes. You always uh, felt yeah, that he would have enough. But I'm just wondering yeah. whether this kind of yeah. fashion thing, that clubs think, oh, they stuck with him and it worked. So but you maybe. know what? I think when you're at the bottom and if somebody changes their manager and it does work, I look at was it was a Bournemouth maybe brought in the boy O'Neill? Yeah. That's going a bit back, but he managed to get a run of results. You look at Kettlewell at Motherwell. Yeah. Gets it. So there's always somebody. The so if you're at yeah. the bottom, you it start. Works for somebody. Yeah. yeah. You, you the new manager bounce. Panic yeah. Yeah. Like oh, no. I bet you, uh, George, this is how you're going to spend your summer. <laughs> Sit down and go through the history of new managers. Starts. How many of them actually do yeah. get a bounce? Yeah. A lot of don't. And something that struck me about, and Dundee are maybe finding this a bit, this is why they're taking time and to defend them slightly in fairness to them, because they want a good manager. But how many of the, the clubs in recent times that have got rid of managers, established managers, have actually brought in someone that you would say, well, he is actually he's a better manager than the one they've replaced. No offence to some of the guys. I think I think the boy at Leicester, mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Dean, Dean Smith. Smith. Yeah. It, Seems a decent manager, but he's no Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, and and it happens. It's happening more and more that because the good managers say no, they'll wait. The ones that know they'll get a job say no. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, you're up to the Chelsea's and and and, and the Spurs but, level. The guys are turning them down. Yeah, because who don't have a job because they know they'll get a job. Mm-hmm. So the and then up, if, they, if they get a job, they get a chance. Yeah, you know, you're not going into a mess with with a prospect of. A real prospect of things could get worse, or certainly not get better to improve to wherever you're going. Whether it be a relegation, you might end up relegated. Whereas at least, if you are brought in at the start of a the season, there's a good chance you will be given a bit of time 
to go and sort out and as we've already spoken about in the podcast put your own stamp on it bring in a couple of your own players I mean coming in after the transfer window is closed I know, you know how are you meant to turn things around with, with, with a team that's been stuttering all season no just ask Mark McGee and, uh, yeah. well, well I was going to say to turn this back to Dundee I'm contractually bound to do um in a bizarre way, Dundee. One of the one of my worries about Dundee attracting a good manager is they've had too many managers. But actually, uh, almost contradictorily, if that's a word, <laughs> which I obviously yes, isn't. Um, for all they've got rid of some managers quickly, I think it's their choice of managers been their problem, not a lack of patience at times. Mark yeah. McGee wasn't the right man. Jim if you go Jim McIntyre. Who, who you can see why they give him a job, me, but yeah. he wasn't the right man mm. for the Dundee job. So it ends up Dundee uh, to do everything in a strange way with their managers. They have a high turnover of managers, mm. but it's not always a lack of patience. It's a lack of the the right choice in the first mm. place, isn't it? Or yeah. or is it not? No, I think. I mean, I think McIntyre and McGee both experienced experienced men, but coming in during the season Mark McGee towards the end mm -hmm. of his season mm. whereas you know Dundee if they go down the Ian Murray route although he is quite an experienced manager he's been around the block he's still a young manager in yeah. terms of you know so you sometimes wonder is it, is it worthwhile bringing an old head in right at the very start and you know but it's, it's, it's the same old names that keep cropping up all yeah. the time so yeah you need a bit of freshness I think I, you know I, I, I think Dundee as I've said, I think the board are, are, when they've got a new manager, they'll give him a chance. Boyer was the exception. I think both parties, there was was a case, you know, I think Gary Boyer had, had fallen out a while back with the, yeah. with the board, if, if you believe what you're hearing. Um, so a parting of the ways maybe wasn't a bad thing. Uh, you know, his stock is high, there's no doubt about that. The board can now look for a new man, but it'll be interesting to see if they go down the the inexperienced, not inexperienced, but the, the younger manager, or as, as, as we've spoken about, will they, will, they, will they go for an experienced man and, and bank on somebody to do that? what they've not been able to do? Keep them in that league and, and put a base in there that'll, that'll stand them in good stead for years to mm. come. I, th I have a feeling that Gordon Strachan's influence, I, I think yeah. it probably a younger coach because he, he likes to work with coaches. That, that's just my, my feeling. Mm. Um, the way that I think that I might Remember be the, the way they go. The, the, the fact that Gordon Strachan is a man that is effectively charged with finding the new manager and also has that vast experience of the game and as a manager, it opens the door to a younger mm -hmm. coach, doesn't it? Because he's there's someone there that he can... The manager could knock his door and say, "Gordon, what do you think about this?" Uh, well, that's that's what I mean. I think you have he to likes get that to develop, balance right, though, don't you? Yeah, I, th I think he likes to develop coaches. I, I'm not. I think Gary Borier didn't really need his advice, mm. if you know what I mean, because he's been around the block yeah. for a long time. So I, I'm guessing that's that's the way they'll they'll probably go with it. But James McPake always said you didn't have to go far when you know mm -hmm. when, ah. when there was a problem or you know you yeah, exactly. advice Gordon Strachan was on hand and what a man to speak to mm -hmm. because he's he's done it all effectively hasn't he? yeah I think it, having said that you all, you always have to accept as well and maybe this was one of the issues with Gary Boyer was guys have influences in their career from a very young age mm -hmm. so 
if the manager isn't knocking, if you're the director of football and the manager isn't knocking your door every day, that's not necessarily a problem because you have to accept it. People have. I mean, I, 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 would, I knew, not that you would ever say, when Jim Duffy uh, was at Dens, he would speak to Jim McLean a lot because they were quite good friends because Jim McLean always liked the way that Jim Duffy went about his mm. career as a player. And that was obviously... A, a, yeah. Stop, stopped at times at derbies and stuff like that and various points of the season. But in general terms, I'm, I, I was always convinced, he never made a big thing of it, neither of them did, but I was always convinced that Jim Duffy would speak to Jim McLean. And if you bring in Ian Murray and he's got someone of that stature that he wants to speak to, you just say, well, fair enough, son, go and speak to them. As long as you're kept in the loop to an extent. But I mean, it, it's, it should be great to have a Gordon Strachan yeah. at your football club if you're a youngish manager. I think Boyer's, well, Boyer's early managerial influence, obviously not around anymore, was Brian Clough. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't go on track and had Boyer's an incredible career. He was a, a go-to man for Brian Clough. Yeah, I don't think it quite stands up to the kind of experience of working under Brian Clough. And all, the, all those people at Nottingham Forest that he would have known so well through his dad and all that sort of stuff. But... You're absolutely right on that in terms of whoever the new man is, they will be leaning on, on Gordon Strachan because why wouldn't you? Ah, it's great knowledge. It's, it's interesting, I was reading a thing just the other day by chance it came across when it was flicking through my phone because I'm down with the kids. <laughs> it was a thing about Roy Keane and Roy Keane and I've heard this before from uh, Clough players. They'd say, well, well, he was an amazing coach and he used to go in the dressing room and say, right guys, the best way to win this game is when you've got the ball passed to someone who's wearing the same colour shirt as you. And you'd walk out. And it's some, sometimes it's simplicity. It was Quite simple. Aye. But football is a simple game. Yeah. People just make it's it complicated. It's complicated by players, managers. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the media. Yeah, there's a bit of that. But we'll just go back to, to Dundee. Obviously, that might, that might sort of influence them the way they're going. You know, they had Gary Boyer, who was his own man, obviously. He was a far yeah. more experienced manager than than some of the managers have had. And maybe that just doesn't sit with a with a board. They had a man who was wasn't prepared to take some mm -hmm. advice or, you know, the way well, the, the way he wanted yeah. the football club to run. But ultimately he did the job he was tasked with. So it's a balance of yeah. that. There's no but I mean we're talking about Gordon Strachan. What sort of role does Gordon Strachan actually have then at the club? I mean I mean he, he, as an advisor, yeah, uh -huh. but what is his his role in terms of recruitment and things like that, George? Well there's 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 no longer a head for recruitment, no. but there will, there will be, uh, I imagine, they've not had that confirmed actually, but you'd think that they would replace that because yeah. that's the, the structure they want. Um, Strachan f tends to concentrate more on the kind of academy and building that youth side of things and coaching coaches, I think is what he very much enjoys doing. Um, and given as you say given advice really if he's mm. on the phone for for john elms or, or the manager whoever wants advice um that ten mm. he tends to particularly with he would have stayed away from the first team certainly with the gary bowyer um he, he tended to do that with james mcpeak and let him get on with it really because uh, you can imagine it might be a bit overbearing if a, a kind of manager of the stature of gordon strachan's rocking up at training mm. and in that think case, there isn't a right way or a wrong way. Yeah. Other than when it becomes wrong is when, as a may or may not happen with Gary Boyer, we can't really say, but when 
the manager comes in and has an image of how it, the day-to-day thing yeah. is going to work and the director of football or the board yeah. or anybody else have a different image. What you've got to what you've got to do is have clarity and openness about how how the relationship's going to work. Some I, I, again, I, rem- I remember um, Paul Hartley going to Falkirk, and I immediately thought just from visiting Falkirk, and it was n- no criticism, but Falkirk was a always struck you as a club where there was a supporters committee had to be told, the board had to be told, there was a general manager had to be told. That wasn't Paul's way. Paul Bailey, you got the impression, I'm sure it was, uh, wasn't was the case, but you got the impression Paul sometimes didn't tell his assistant manager what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was very much, and, and, and again, some people work that way. Some people, they get used to working on their own. And that was the way Paul worked. And, and it did work at Dundee and, he, and it worked at Alloa. He was left, is it Mike, Mike Mulroney that's yeah, there? Yeah. He was left to, to run the club the way he wanted. As soon as he went to Falkirk, I thought that, I don't see that lasting a long time because people will be going, what's happening? You know, he never told us about this. He never told us about that. And that's there. They should have been, it should have been made clear. This is the way we work as a club. Yeah. Everyone's involved. Everyone's consulted. It might be your you know, decision ultimately, but you have to tell everybody what your thought yeah. process is. Some managers aren't like no. that. Yeah. And 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 as long as the, loads of ways to skin a football, so to speak. Yeah. Absolutely. But everybody has to be sort of on the same page mm. when it when it comes to how how things yeah. work. I, th- I think the the way they work it is that the manager's left to get on with it, but Strachan's there if he needs him. Um, to chuck another big name in. Do you remember Sir Alex Ferguson when, when he retired from management? I don't think he's ever been back to the training ground at Man United, or maybe a hand, maybe once or twice, because he just went, "No, that's the manager's area. Yeah. I, I don't go back." So I, I wonder whether that's part of it. He, he just doesn't want to kind of just let the manager get on with it. Not so much modern managers, I think, who are, who are very much coaches, but certainly older type managers mm. who would. Wouldn't set foot on the training pitch. Who would uh, let their let their assistant, yeah, yeah, let their assistants do? They would maybe do the initial initial talk before the players went out, but you left it to the coaches. You would stand and watch certainly, mm. but not actually get involved in the actual coaching of the players on a daily basis. His job was basically to manage them and to pick the best team that were going to win a game on a Saturday and to do the team talks. Itself. Sam Allardyce. So, yeah, I saw Mark yeah. Noble in an interview with him the other week saying he loved working for Sam Allardyce. Mm-hmm. But he said. It might be Thursday or Friday. It's very rarely was it any earlier than Thursday before you saw Sam Allardyce. Yeah. And I know I know from uh, Martin O'Neill yeah, was similar. Sure. And Martin O'Neill openly, so that, I learned from Brian Clough. Yeah. Hmm. Brian Clough was never, Brian Clough wasn't the coach. He would tell the coach what he wanted if he wanted something specifically. Craig Levine, uh, t- Craig Levine was always there, mm-hmm. but, but the actual implementation of the work was... That's why he always wanted Peter Houston. Peter was his organiser and he knew Peter was A, a very good coach who would spot things himself. But if Craig said, I want this done, he knew that Peter would do it, you know, to the yeah. letter on the coaching pitch. And he tended to watch coaching rather than actually take it. And I mean, another thing shocked me when I got into football, very often it's the captain who takes the warm-up yeah. And yeah. for training. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is basically a, it's, yeah. it's a run round in, in the stretching exercises, but the coach and then the coaches appear having had their yeah. breakfast. Yeah, I also think I mean I mean 
that's more an old-fashioned view yeah. for managers. Nowadays, they, they do all tend to be coaches and get the track yeah. suit on and, and get on the training pitch. But I think from a, an old-fashioned viewpoint, a manager sitting back and watching players in training probably see a lot more what's going on, who's doing what, yeah. who's putting the work, work uh-huh. rate in, an overview of mm-hmm. everything, rather than somebody who's actually setting out the tasks and saying, this is what I want you to do, I want you to run to that post and get a layoff and get it back. You're not seeing everybody and just seeing what everybody's doing. A manager can sit back and go, okay, do you think you're going to be in the team on Saturday? Yeah. You know, <laughs> sort it up to scratch here, you know? So, yeah, it's interesting where it's going. And where are we going? Actually, well, Dundee are going up, aren't they? Okay, not in certain anymore. No, no, they are. I mean, that's the thing. It's a wee bit. It's a, it's a, interesting to see that you know, well, Ian Lawler's obviously left. No big surprise because it's he, number three. He, he hadn't partly, played since November, he? Oh. Um, but he'd done well last season in, in the spill that he got in the team. But you wonder whether the other players in the squad have seen have. They've obviously they obviously mm. know he's gone, but he's got he's got a move. So yeah. why don't why don't I go and get a move? It's the, well, I mean, it's ticking, surely, the clock's ticking, isn't but, it? Yeah, I mean, surely the agents are aware of the situation. Oh, yeah, a lot of players will have other options. My is, is that a lot of them would have moved if they think they're going to get a better offer elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe a, maybe a better offer elsewhere has not been forthcoming at this point yeah. in time. What they're going to what they think they're going to get at Dundee yeah. will, will go past that. Plus the fact it's an exciting prospect again. Dundee are back in the Premier League, yeah. so exactly, yeah, that's that's the thing. It might be a different case if they, if they hadn't got themselves out of the Championship. But you tend to think if there if there is going to be movement like Lawler going this week, others will go quick because there is that the lower leagues in England have finished the regular mm-hmm. programs. You tend to think there's a two or three week period where managers. Fuck on holiday, basically. No, but you get a week, ten days, maybe even, maybe three weeks is, is stretching it a bit far, where there's a bit of activity to get people signed up, mm. very often re-signed, to be fair. But then there is a period of holidays. Start yeah. of, the start of June it, it tends to die it's maybe for just a the, few weeks. So yeah. a lot of guys all want want fixed up in the next sort of week or so, one way or another. It's maybe just because of Doncaster, because Grant McCann's a new manager, he just came in this yeah. month, and maybe he just wanted to... He's made a two sign, two or three signs, I think, already. Maybe he, he just wanted to. mentioned him. early on with the Dundee job. Ah, his name was was around, but I think that, I think it was very quickly after yeah. Bowyer left that he he got the job down there. But it it seems well that a new manager in has just decided I'm going to make some signings and, and get things going, and then he might take a break. So it might just be that the fact that it's it's a club that's that's making moves and, and the rest. Taking a wee well, they do need somebody because, uh, as well as that side did in the championship, I and mean, they did very well. Oh, they need to. They add, need definitely. to improve to, yeah. to put a side on the park that is going to. I'm not saying compete at the top end of the, of the Premiership, but that's never going to happen. I don't think if they get in the top six, that'd be fabulous. But a team that is going to keep themselves out the relegation yeah. zone that is going to be strong enough to pick up points on a regular basis and is going to give themselves a fighting chance of staying in that league next season, and to do that. They need, I would suggest, half a dozen new men coming in. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree. Well, there we go. New manager by this time next week. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Fingers crossed. <laughs> We've been saying that for weeks now. <laughs> Sean Maloney coming back. We're sitting here with a white beard going, new manager <laughs> this time next week. Anyway, 
Great stuff, guys. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find two teams one street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tandice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>